Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, February 9th, 2015. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 53, the first full paragraph that begins, Logic is Great Stuff. Today's readers are Sarah H. on the 12 Steps, Nancy S. on the 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Diana B., Elaine B., and Rachel N. M. The reference number for yesterday, Wednesday, February 18th, is 7339. Overeaters Anonymous Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Sarah H. to read the 12 steps. Hi, good morning. This is Sarah H. Can I be heard? Yes, you can, Sarah. Great. Good morning. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcoming. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. 
Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Sarah H. I will now ask Nancy S. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. Thank you, Kathy Kay, and good morning, everyone. This is Nancy S. from Wisconsin, a recovering compulsive overeater. Can you hear me okay? I can. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you. The 12 traditions of OA. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do this service that I pass. Thank you, Nancy S. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 53, the first full paragraph, beginning with logic is great stuff. And today I will ask um, Deanna B. to begin our study. Thank you. My name is Deanna B, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater, and thank you for your service, Kathy, and everyone else. Logic is great stuff. We liked it. We still like it. It is not by chance 
we were given the power to reason, to examine the evidence of our senses and to draw conclusions. That is one of man's magnificent attributes. We agnostically inclined would not feel satisfied with a proposal which does not lend itself to reasonable approach and interpretation. Hence, we are at pains to tell why we think our present faith is reasonable, why we think it more sane and logical to believe than not to believe, why we say our former thinking was soft and mushy when we threw up our hands in doubt and said, we don't know. This is a perfect paragraph for me to read. Uh, uh, right in the beginning, logic is great stuff, and it is, you know. And uh, but if everyone, if the Wright brothers questioned, you know, why, I don't think they would have gotten any place. They just had to keep doing and doing and doing. Uh, and especially that little that set aside prayer. Uh, God help me set aside what I think I know about myself these 12 steps, you, and uh, when I came into a vision for you, I had never heard that prayer before, and boy, that was perfect for me, because, you know, that question why, uh, always questioning, well, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to do that? And, you know, today, I believe that for me, it's been blind faith. When I was working uh, and I would, a client would ask me why, I would say, you know, why not? Or I don't know. And you wouldn't be satisfied, or you would not be satisfied with any answer that I would come up with. Just do it, you know. And that's what I was asked to do when I came into a vision for you, just do it. And I had never done that before. Um, you know, why do I think my present faith is reasonable? I do not question whether I know I'm not an atheist, whether I'm agnostic or other. I just know that I have a higher power that's there that I have a special connection with. And unless I really uh, reinforce that on a daily basis, that connection widens where I don't have it anymore and I become irritable, discontent, and something's wrong, you know, I have to, what is wrong? Um, So, you know, I don't have a lot to say other than uh, I didn't question when I came back because my old way did not work for me. And just for today, this way works. Thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you, Deanna. Charles H. from New York. Okay, Charles, one minute, you'll be first. Who else would like to share? This is Bella Michelle. Okay, Charles and Bella, and who else? Mary P. Mary, and I heard somebody P. Marie P. Oh, Marie P. Great. All right, so we will start and with Sharon. Okay, Sharon, let's stop there. We have Charles H., Bella, Mary, Marie B., and Sharon. Let's start with Charles. Please go ahead. Good morning, visionaries. My name is Charles A. to recover the visionary just for today. Thank you, Kathy K. for your service and everybody else that's on the line. Um, I just want to drill down on when we threw up our hands in doubt and said, we don't know. Can I change? This is my big book that I'm reading. So when I threw up my hands in doubt and said, I don't know, 
Those three words changed my life. Those three words changed my thinking. You know, I was in my bed this morning with my wife, and, and, and the sleep got real good, and it was 6.56, and um, I, yeah, I'm on the meeting. And and, and and I threw up my hands and said, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. God, can you give me direction? God said, get up and dial in to this meeting. You know, I called a newcomer yesterday. I said, you know what? I gave the newcomer this number. You know why? Because I don't know. I don't know. That's why I get up and come to those visions for you. I don't know. And those, those three words was the opening into my recovery. Like like before I got I struck some accidents, I thought I knew and I thought it was me. It was never me. It was me that was afflicted and it was me that had to give my will to a power greater than myself. And once I did that, you know, things transitioned. And and once I got the joke, which was my purpose, and I'm just being sarcastic, the joke, the purpose is, you know what, get recovered and get somebody else recovered by the grace of your higher power. So every single, you know, I have a joke with my sponsor. We talk, you know, we talk, and I give him a couple of suggestions. He's like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. I said, stop saying that, man, because you know what? Once you know, you think you know, there's no opening. So you want to know everything, and there's no opening. And then, yeah, I tell you, I don't know. I, all I know is the number of vision for you, the number of certain uh, OM meetings, and I just got to dial in. With that, I'm going to pass. Thanks for allowing me to be service, Kathy. Thank you, Charles H. And Bella G., it's your turn. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella G., and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Katie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Wow, I love this paragraph. It starts with logic is great stuff. Well, what is logic? So it gives you the answer. When we threw up our hands in doubt and said, we don't know. Wow, it's such a freedom to say, I don't know, and not to feel embarrassed and ashamed or critical. I don't know. And the same way that I don't know, I accept that somebody else don't know because we are only human. And it's such a wonderful freedom feeling because before I was in the program, I thought that I have to know everything all the time. And the same way I thought that everybody else has to have the answer for everything. So I was angry, upset, and disappointed when I didn't know the answer or when somebody else told me, I don't know. And now this is... This is the the great logic because it's so, now that I am in the program, it's such a freedom. Yes, I don't know. And it's, it doesn't mean nothing about me. It means one thing, that I am human and I am powerless and I am limited and I don't have to know everything. And it's okay. I am here to learn and to to learn from other people. And to know that there is a greater power than myself and he knows everything and he know he has the answers and 
if God wants I should understand something, he will give me the opportunity. Such a freedom. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. And Mary, please go ahead. Thanks, Kath. Let me just start my timer. There it goes. Good morning, everybody. It's Mary A. I don't know if we're using initials anymore, but um, thank you all for being here and listening to my couple of minutes. And, you know, a lot of you have heard my story, but uh, 15, 16 months ago, after a relapse, I came back uh, to the rooms. And But it was just recently that God really spoke to my heart and said, um, your problem is, your defiance was, while you went out in the first place, had no clue that I was furious that I had to come to the rooms to get healed because I truly, you know, at 18 years old, I met the living God. I've had an unbelievable walk. I've had every possible miracle, spiritual experience. But when I came to the rooms, it was God saying, you shouldn't be ashamed. You have this disease, and I'm bringing you, somebody's not muted, um, you have this disease, and I'm bringing you here so that you can be healed in in the rooms. And, you know, I never could understand what was the, I really thought spiritual experience and spiritual awakening were the same thing. But now I I truly understand that I crossed the threshold when I came to the rooms to allow God to do what he has done in all the other areas of my life when I came here. So thanks for listening. Thank you, Mary A. And Marie B., please go ahead. Hello, this is is Marie B. Can you hear me? Yes, but not very well. Is that better? Yes. Yes? Okay, thanks. Thanks for being here. Um, My thinking was off and lucky for a long time. Uh, I started, I didn't start that way. My life was uh, very spiritual when I was growing up. But along the way, you know, I got angry at God and then began to deny his existence. Absolutely. And as I look back on life, I can see why God gave me trials as well as joys. Um, I can see his hand working through my life. Um, It's even more evident since I've been recovered when I pray and um, and have decisions to make. The results would prove me very stupid if I did not recognize God's hands in the resolution. These proofs have made me a free woman. I don't fear punishment from God. Uh, I make my amends and know he has forgiven me. Um, I can see and feel his presence and love in the things that he does for me. And uh, knowing his love and direction in my life makes me a free woman woman, and not living by others' standards, but living by the way he's directing me. And it, it is a wonderful, a wonderful experience for me. I pass. Thank you, Marie B. And Sharon, I'm not sure which Sharon. Can you give us your last initial? Good morning. You're not sure of what? The first initial of your last name? B. 
Okay, great. Go ahead, Sharon B. Okay, one moment. Good morning, everyone. My name is Sharon B. from Brooklyn, New York, and I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. And the one very short and sweet thing that I have to say about this paragraph is this. Um, What I'm intrigued about this paragraph, starting with logic is great stuff, is the writing. Um, We don't know yet what the point is going to be. That's happening on the next paragraph. And even though temptation had me wanting to read the next paragraph, we're not up to that. So I have to delay gratification as a compulsive person. Um, And uh, so, so far, what we know is that the writer believes logic is really awesome stuff. And um, and so what I love is that we're kind of building up to a crescendo here. We don't know why it's great stuff, but it's getting us excited. Um, why is logic great stuff? Um, talks about we agnostically inclined. So it's already assuming um, that we are all this way, um, that we have moments of being acting agnostically. Um, so I'm already at the seat of my pants waiting to find out why the belief way is better. You know, I was an agnostic. I didn't believe I was an agnostic, but based on my years and years of living through the self-sufficiency lens, I proved to myself time and time again I was living like an agnostic as long as I believed and was acting on the idea that self-sufficiency is best. And it's just not the case. Um, I have um, gratefully, thankfully, miraculously started to be being restored to some semblance of sanity since I turned my life, my will and my life over to a higher power that I truly believe in. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon B. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Sarah H. Okay. Sarah H. Larry K. I'm sorry. Eva P. Elizabeth N. River P. And Elizabeth M. Okay, let's stop there. Sarah H. Please go I'm sorry, who is that? Rakesset. Okay, Rakesset. You can be Thank you. Elizabeth. Thank you. Okay, Sarah H., please go ahead. Good morning. This is Sarah H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. 
Hence, we are at pains to tell why we think our present faith is reasonable, why we think it more sane and logical to believe than not to believe. And I'm just going to pause right there. And, you know, when I read this, it makes me think of my daughter, myself and my daughter. My daughter, like a couple of years ago, developed an allergy to potatoes where when she eats a potato, her face turns red, her whole you know, she has to take like a Benadryl right away. So she has like a physical reality allergy to potatoes. I also have a, an allergy to potatoes, although that was happens many years before. But I, my allergy manifests itself in a mental twist of where I think I can just eat them endlessly. And But it's logical, you know, she doesn't go anywhere near a potato because it's logical to her that if she eats a potato, her face will turn red and her the whole, you know, she'll go into a complete physical allergic reaction that will cause her tremendous pain and possibly kill her. Therefore, she doesn't eat them. It's logical not to go near something that's going to do that. So it was logic that was born out of experience. It's logical, you know, this concept of believing or not believing is, for me, just it's logical to believe born out of experience of when I put my faith and trust in God and when I believe in his power, which is much greater than myself, I recover. And I, I have a happier, saner, calmer existence. So for me, it's not logic of the head. It's logic of my heart, which is born out of experience. And hence we are pains to tell why we think our present faith is reasonable. It's reasonable for me to believe that if every time I trust that God can take me where I could never go on my own, that he will continue to do so as long as I believe that he's able to and that he's able to do that not just for everyone else in the world, but he can do that for me too. He can help me recover when, I, when I'm hopeless, when I'm hopeless about my compulsive eating, when I'm hopeless about the unmanageability of my life in every other realm. As soon as I let go of thinking that I'm responsible or that there's some logical explanation of, of how things should go and I should, you know, and I'm, I can dot my eyes and cross my T's and everything's going to work out because after all, I'm the director. When I let go of thinking that I'm the director and I trust God, my experience tells me that God has proven his trust more and more and more every time. So that's why for me, belief and faith is very sane and very logical. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sarah H. Larry Kay, please go ahead. Thanks, Kathy. Um, Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. Thanks for your service. Um, so, you know, we're learning, you know, that that logic, um, you, you know, that's God-given. So was my desire to eat is God-given. Um you know, these things are, it's, it's one of man's magnificent attributes, and it's all God-given. God you know, I, uh, for me, um, sometimes I can take that which is, you know, inborn, that which, uh, that, that is, 
um, you know, that I'm wired to do certain things and I could take it beyond that which it was intended. And that's what I did with, with food. And, um, you know, logic is great stuff. And I tried to apply that logic to this problem. And that logic led me to, you know, one self-help book after another. That logic, you know, in my misery led me to one relationship after another. That logic led me to, you know, to different geographic locations, you know, all using my logical mind, this magical mind, in order to think my way out of this problem. But I was cornered. I was absolutely cornered. I couldn't think my way out of the, you know, the manifestations of this disease. I couldn't think my way out of the anxiety. Um, I couldn't think my way out of any of that stuff. And so at some point, you know, I had to make a decision. And see, that's a real tough decision uh, to turn our own our life over to the care of God as we understand God. Um, it, 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 it's difficult because it takes tremendous courage because there's fear. Because here, here's the fear you might be feeling, you know, I know I was. What if this doesn't work? Boy, I, then I'm screwed. So you know what? I think I'll just blow it up before I get through the process. I'll sabotage myself before I get through the process. You know, that's where my logic took me time and time again. And so I would never complete the practical program of action. That's what my logic did for me. Um, but, you know, today it's different. And thank God for this program and thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. It, uh, I put my logic aside and I just accepted and had the courage to, to walk through. And I'm glad I did. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Uh, Reva P., please go ahead. Reva, press star one, please, to unmute. This is Reva P. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hi, my name is Reva P., and I'm calling from Toronto, Ontario. Thank you so much, Kathy, and all fellow visionaries. I've been listening to this meeting for a while, and it's so refreshing. I am a recovered compulsive overeater, um, and I've been to many meetings, but nothing has been like this vision meeting. I love logic, and I love the fact that it acknowledges here. I like it, and you know what? I still like it. And I thought if I asked many why questions and answered those why questions for myself, I would solve the riddle of why I did insane things with food and my body. Um, and it never worked. Um, and the best thing I heard in the rooms was, why do I do it? because I'm a compulsive overeater. Now get on and do the work. Um, I don't need to spend hours and hours figuring things out because the bottom line is it never worked. Um, I could count calories. I could read literature and research on what happens to my body, and it never, ever helped me. And to this day, my go-to is to try to figure it out. Um, and the bottom line is I really don't know. Um, and that is such a relief, and I'm so grateful that there's another way. I never knew that there was another way, um, and the bottom line is it works. So stop asking why and just do what I need to do. Um, that's all I have to share, and thank you so much. Thank you, Reva P. Elizabeth M., please go ahead. 
Hello, this is uh, Elizabeth, and I am a compulsive overeater. First of all, thanks for thanks everyone for the for these calls. Um, I I just I'm very new to the program, but I I I read that paragraph and I I got a, a very a, a big resemblance with a serenity prayer. Uh, logics or I I am a, a very I, I want to know everything and I feel very bad if I don't and I try to finish everyone's uh, sentences and I and I try to say I will yes I know everything even if I do not and that is something that I uh, the serenity prayer prayer can help you can help me on that. Um, if I don't know it, it's something that I cannot change at the moment. I just don't know it, and just have to have the serenity to accept that fact. And um, and then, uh, for example, in my compulsive overeater eating disorder, I, I I don't know how to solve this problem. I personally don't know. I have tried everything. And it hasn't uh, it hasn't been solved. So I need to do uh, I need to have the courage to change the things that I cannot change, which is let's uh, let's forget or let's stop trying to find out uh, solutions by myself. Let's have some another director, in this case a higher power to find the solutions for you. And um, that's all that I want to share. Thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth M. Uh, and Rakesit, please go ahead. Hi, this is Rakesit, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California. And I really like this. I don't know. Those are very, very important words for me, too, because I, when I was growing up, I felt that I have to know everything. I cannot have something that I don't know because I felt shamed. If I didn't know the answer to something, I thought it was shameful. So coming into the program and finally saying, I just don't know. The only thing I do know, I know 100%, is that I can't stop eating on my own. I have tried everything. I am completely powerless. Now, if there's something out there that can help me, I, I hope so, because otherwise I'm screwed. I don't have any other option. I don't have anything left I can try that will make me stop eating. And so, yeah, yeah. I don't know if there's a God out there. I don't know if there's a power out there, but I'm going to seek it out because I see other people seeking it out. Other people have sought out a power, and they are miracles today. People that were alcoholics, severe alcoholics, severe food addicts, they aren't what they were today. And that's amazing to me. And also, I love the fact that I can say I don't know many, many things in my life. When my daughters ask me, what should I do, Mom? What should I do? And I would tell them. I tell them, I don't know. I don't know. Um, maybe you could think about doing this. Maybe you could think about doing that. But I don't know. And I don't know what's best for me. And I know that my higher power does know what's best for me. And so I have to seek out my higher power every day, all day. What is best for me to do now? higher power because I don't know what it is. 
So thank you for letting me share my pass. Thank you, Rakesha. Um, we're going to move on to the next paragraph. Elaine B., would you read it for us? Press star one, Elaine, to unmute. Sorry about that. I thought I was. This is Elaine B., recovered in Massachusetts. Thanks for your service, Kathy. When we became alcoholics, crushed by a self-imposed crisis we could not postpone or evade, we had to fearlessly face the proposition that either God is everything or else he is nothing. God either is or he isn't. What was our choice to be? So um, (laughs) I recall taking a little offense to those words, self-imposed crisis. What? Me? You know, I didn't wake up one morning and say, I want to be 100 pounds overweight, single, alone, desperate, and miserable. I didn't choose that. That wasn't a self-imposed crisis. I don't know when food turned from a delight to a disease for me. And I couldn't postpone it or evade it. I tried everything. I couldn't fix it. I couldn't wish it away. I couldn't pray it away. I couldn't control it. I could not do it. So... You know, self-imposed, oh, right, yeah, okay, well, these guys have made a lot of sense so far. My own best thinking, my own logic, my own solution for ease and comfort, my own solution for loneliness, depression, fear, uh, you know, problems, misery, depression, my, my solution was food. And that got me 100 pounds overweight, it got me alone, it got me miserable, it got me... Um, you know, living in the bedevilments one day after another. That was my logic. That's where my best thinking got me. So <laughs> I have to fearlessly face the proposition that God is everything or he is nothing. Why fearlessly? Because you're asking me to let go of my solution and hold on to something else that, yep, it looks like a flimsy read. I want to let go of my crutch. I don't, I mean, I hear you guys in the room and I hear that you're, you know, you're saying and you're in normal size bodies and food is neutral to you. And what, 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 I have to let go of this? I have to let go of my instant ease to eat, uh, instant source of ease and comfort, my solution for everything? Well, yeah, I'm going to go on to the gates of death or insanity if I don't. I will eat myself right into the grave. So God is everything or God is nothing. What was my choice to be? What was my choice to be? Well, you know, the big book tells us a little further on that our problem is spiritual in nature and that if we clear up our spiritual malady, we'll, clear, we'll straighten out physically and mentally. And, you know, physically, that's all I ever wanted. I came in, I want to be skinny, I want to be thin. Physically, that's what I want. That's the problem that drove me in here. That's the problem that drove me through these steps that we're studying here. And it was those steps that did clear away my misunderstandings about this God. I didn't believe he was everything. I had a great relationship, but I didn't believe he was everything. Obviously, there was a problem if I had an extra 100 pounds on my body. So, you know, uh, I really saw the depths of my crisis as I went through these steps and have discovered that that flimsy read is a God that is accessible for ease and comfort any time that I need it. And that God has not only cleared up my food problem, I'm in a normal friend's body, and food is is now neutral to me, Um, but God is also the solution to every problem that I face today. God is everything for me. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Elaine B. Who would like to share? 
on this paragraph. Elsie, may I share? Okay, I heard Kim and Elsie, is that your name? Yep. Elsie, okay. And who else? Suji. Suji. Sally. Leia. A and Leia. Okay, let's stop there. Uh, We'll go in this order. Kim G, Elsie, Suji, Sally A, and Leia M. Please go ahead, Kim. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. God either is or he isn't. What is our choice to be? Now, this is the third time that I've seen this book that we've been put down to you know, only two alternatives. You know, the first one was on page 25 where we had two alternatives, go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could, and the other was to go for spiritual help. So go back to the food or do the steps. And again, in the beginning of this chapter, on page 44, to be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. So once again, choose the food or choose the steps. And here we're being told, you know, God either is or he isn't. You know, the big book is trying to get us down to this idea. Until we are mangled enough that we only have two choices, most of us aren't going to, are going to explore door number three, four, five, six, and seven. And for those of us who are tweaked by that word God, you know, whether because we do not believe in a God wholeheartedly, or maybe we have a God from our childhood that terrifies us. What I like to think of it, substitute that word for power or whatever that is for you. I learned when I was beaten up enough that I could read the book Alcoholics Anonymous and substitute food for alcohol without any prejudice because I was beaten up. You can do the same thing with the word God. If that word God prejudices you, use power, use creative intelligence, use Father of Light, whatever that is for you. Don't let that word God block you the way that the word alcohol probably blocked you like it did me in the beginning. And I just want to say, too, you know, this this meeting is is very powerful to me. You know, we had to purge our our member list because we had well over 2,000 people. Does that mean well over 2,000 people have recovered? No. What I love about this meeting is it adequately gives gives us an adequate representation of what these clear-cut directions are. But if people on the line who are listening do not pick up that spiritual toolkit, know that you are not going to recover. Until we're mangled enough, until your own experience gets you down to this idea that God is everything and God is nothing. God either is or he isn't. What is your choice to be? Most people aren't going to take action. And I just want to end with this because willingness is so, so important. But I have to tell you, me personally, I use willingness as a loophole not to take action. And let me tell you, the willingness, willingness without action is fantasy. So we have to get down to those two alternatives. God either is or he isn't. But it's only the actions we take after that conclusion that will bring us the experience we need to recover. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Elsie, please go ahead. Thank you. Hi, this is Elsie uh, M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Philadelphia. Um, thanks so much. <clears throat> and I do love this paragraph um, the self-imposed crisis, I didn't understand in the beginning either, and I thought, well, what have I done? You know, I was really good at being a victim, so that was an easy response. But um, I did learn that I didn't create the allergy, but the crisis that I created was by continuing to pick up my allergic foods. <clears throat> and 
And then I was also reminded of how I tend to or tended to live in the crisis. I lived in the drama of my life. That's what was very familiar to me. So I would create these crises and then be in this like victim place and ask people to help me and, you know, woe is me and all of that. And that would just bring me back to the food again and again. Um, as I started with recovery and really got to understand it um, by working the steps through this book, through this meeting, um, the sentence about God is everything or else he is nothing and he is or he isn't, um, that, I read that every day for months and months and months. That was part of my um, step two work and then step three as well, that um, I had to look at that and see if that's what I thought. And I just trained myself every day to go to this page and read those sentences. And it really helped me to form the basis of what I now have as a strong relationship with my higher power. But it had to be that simple. He either is or he isn't. And as somebody else said, that it affects all areas of my life, not just the food. And for that, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, LCM. CG, please go ahead. Good morning, it's Suji Seeking in Philadelphia, and I am looking at the crushed by a self-imposed crisis. We could not postpone or evade. We had to fearlessly face the proposition, and I'm not going to even name the proposition. I'm thinking again about this, this gift of um, the fearful disease of my husband, which is my fearful disease. He's not fearful. I am fearful. And and daily I can surrender this to the nameless one, which is my mystical higher power. And I think about this as the the journey, the journey of this disease that could be the cause of death and could not be, and guess what? I don't know. The journey took us to my husband's doctor who encounters us one day when we're we're just waiting for him and we're shooting the breeze about some philosophical idea about, about God. <laughs> and in walks the doctor and he wants to join the conversation. And he says, what do you think about the idea that bad things happen to good people? And this just opened my heart and my mind to hear was someone who doesn't know. And he said he was of a religion different from mine, but this is, he does not know. He does not understand this. And, and what comes to me with this is that I don't know what what is this? It's looking at my prejudice and that that the question isn't about logic and why why is my husband afflicted? Is he even afflicted? I don't know. Ah, and and the doctor doesn't know. And and to me that doctor sort of it's kind of like that thing about substitution that we can substitute the rooms and the people in it for the higher power, if that's what we need to do, that's just fine. It's just a matter of 
I don't know. I don't have to know. I need to know the source, which is nameless, because I don't want to name the inside and outside issue here. This isn't the right place. But but it's just fine to not know. That's, that's just where I'm meant to be. And the experience of this illness and the intimacy that it's brought in my marriage, which is an ancient one now, it's wonderful. So the, these steps and the the step by step seeking a solution. This this is what it's all about. And and I can keep my step one day as every day because it doesn't overwhelm me because there's a power greater than myself. Thanks for letting me share. And I pass. Thank you, Suji. Sally A, please go ahead. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you for your service to all of us this morning. I'm Sally A., a recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey. And um, I wanted to um, speak to this the idea that these sentences um, that we just read are smacked between two really important concepts. We had the last three words of the last paragraph, we don't know. And hopefully we're all reaching a point or have already reached a point but in our journey, we come to a place where we reach the end of self. We don't know. I was so opinionated. I so love when people ask me for my opinion. Now when they ask my opinion, I say, I don't know. Have you prayed about it? This is a new territory for me. Have you prayed about it? And then on the other side of this paragraph that we're reading, we see, arrived at this point, we were squarely confronted with the question of faith. So we're here now in the middle of these two ideas. We're crushed by a self-imposed crisis. If you're like me and a few other people, you've gained a lot of weight, and you've reached the end of self, and you don't know what to do. And you're, you're crushing, the crushing blow is that it's really about our, our tongues. You know, what's going in our mouth, what's coming out is getting me in a lot of trouble. The self-imposed crisis is what goes in my mouth, the food, and the words coming out of my mouth. So this, my mouth is the big problem. It's, that's my self-imposed crisis, my mouth, my tongue, what goes in and what goes out. We could not postpone or evade. We had to fearlessly face. I couldn't postpone it because I was up 110 pounds. So when I came and I found out that there was this big book study and I was sent to it and I came and I heard that herein lies the solution, this book and these 12 steps. Well, there was no door number two for me. I had already gained 110 pounds and I already tried everything else and I was crushed by every, by my own end of self. I was done. I don't know was my theme at that point. I was done. And here we go to this, the main thrust of this paragraph. We had, we had to fearlessly face the proposition that either God is everything or else he is nothing. God either is or he isn't. What was our choice to be? I really had no choice. And where we're heading, this, these next few pages are going to very beautifully sketch out for us what the end of the chapter is going to say. Here's the end of the matter, 57, bottom of the page. But he has come to all who have honestly sought him, humbly sought him. When we drew near to him, he disclosed himself to us. See, for my whole, my whole life, I didn't realize it, but not only was I putting OA in a shoebox in my closet, 
Yes, I want to be in OA. For 32 years, I've been in OA. But don't intrude on my life. Yes, I walk with God. Yes, I get up in the morning. I pray every morning. I read my Bible every morning. I do all these things. I have all the trappings of religion. But the relationship that I had with God was a very sick relationship. It was me carrying a a bunch of bricks to God's throne, and I would bring my prayers, and then I would say, okay, thanks, God, and I'd pick up my bricks and walk away. Maybe you're like me, but we can't do that anymore because the truth is we're not enough, and no book on this planet is going to make you enough, and we need a higher power. Therefore, when all is said and done, either God is everything or else he is nothing. Make up your mind. Either God either is or he isn't. Make up your mind. Thanks for letting me share with that iPad. Thank you, Sally A. And Leia M., please go ahead. Hey, good morning, Kathy Kay. Thanks for your service. Hi, everybody. It's Leia M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Yeah, I mean, the big book really turns up the heat in this paragraph, you know, beginning with when we became alcoholics crushed by a self-imposed crisis. I mean, just those words alone kind of caught my breath. What? You know, self-imposed? Why in the world would I bring on this madness and mayhem for myself, you know? Uh, What about my allergy of the body but what the big book is arguing here is that my inability to control uh, my eating is going to be rooted in illness it's rooted in illness it's not that a compulsive overeater plays no role in developing this illness I do play a role in this I do have a responsibility uh, in this condition it is somewhat of my own making Because my will was imposing this crisis. My will was imposing this crisis. So, you know, when I was uh, reading this paragraph, you know, early in my recovery, God either is or he isn't. What was my choice to be? The big book here is pushing me into a corner. And my disease did a good job of that as well. You know, uh, the big book, the big book is pushing me in a corner, giving me this ultimatum that self-sufficiency will not produce a spiritual awakening, Leah. You know, are you willing to change your mind? This is a conclusion right now at step, at step two. And a decision, a conclusion of, of my mind is a decision. And that's an act of my will. That too is an act of my will. There's no wiggle room here for me. And, you know, that is uh, perhaps a lot of heat on us. But also, it was a great relief. It was a great relief because it made it very, very clear. Either, Leah, you continue to conduct yourself and parade through life as the center of your universe, of the universe, or you give it over. (laughs) And you don't have to understand it. You don't have to define it. You don't have to have some great feeling about it. But the reality is that God is coming through your wound. At this moment, either you continue to eat to your to oblivion and, and death and insanity continues, or you make a decision of your will to believe in something, whatever that is, a higher power consisting of principles, consisting of values that gives you, Leah, some sense of direction, a beacon, a north pole, a compass, something that is going to pull you out of your own thinking. And this connected and 
connection and this relationship with something immeasurable and indestructible will, uh, as, the ste- as we proceed through the steps, will drive out that obses- obsession of the mind. Because the reality is that I was suffering from a disease which only a spiritual experience was going to conquer. And what great news that was for me. That was a message of hope to be at this spot. And I'm grateful for that. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah M. And now it's time to close our meeting. Um, I want to thank everyone who has shared. Uh, We will now close with the reading from the big book on page, uh, let's see, where is it? 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Rachel N.M. please read that for us? Yes. Good morning. This is Rachel N.M. I'm a thankful, recovered, compulsive overeater and anorexic from Ohio. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.